we've been talking about relationships and how to build better relationships in life. So we're in this series. And today I wanted us to focus on listening. On listening. It doesn't seem like it's a big biblical topic. Let's study the biblical topic of listening. But learning to listen has everything to do with relationships. One of the reasons why relationships struggle is we don't value one another's opinion. Uh, you hear people say, he never listens or she never understands. And it, it, it affects any relationship that you're in, friendship, marriage, whatever. You're going to spend 40% of your waking hours listening. And yet studies show that people usually listen, pick up about 25% of what you say. And that's not good. That's not good because if listening is one of the most important things for a relationship, but we only pick up 25%, that kind of puts us in a bad situation. It's too easy when we're listening for us to be looking at the person, but our mind is wandering and thinking of other things. Or you listen to them, but the commercial on the TV is playing, and you're looking at them, but you're hearing that. I mean, there's all kinds of distractions in life. Or you're seeing something, and it catches your eyes, and you don't pay 100% attention to the person. If you have kids in the house, you try to have a conversation with your wife, but the kids are making noise and they're doing things and you're really paying more attention to them and you're not really getting 100% of what's being said. It's a, it's a common problem in relationships. So I want to talk about how to improve your hearing. And it is a skill that you can develop. If you learn how to listen better, you're going to have fewer arguments because you're going to understand what they're saying. You're going to have more friends because people like to be with people that listen to them. You're going to be wiser and healthier. We think healthier. How is listening making me healthier? Well, Dr. James Lynch, he did some studies that proved that when you listen, your blood pressure goes down. If you're the person speaking, your blood pressure goes up. So actually, if you're a good listener, you're actually having better blood pressure. It's physically healthier to listen than to speak. Look at James 1.19. So right now, by the way, you guys are being way more healthy than I am. James 1.19 says, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen and slow to speak. When you think about when you get angry, it's usually because you're not quick to listen. You're usually slow to listen and quick to speak. And you jump to some conclusions that weren't there. And for health and relationships, what you say with the tongue can destroy a relationship way more than anything you can do. The tongue can be the the most wicked weapon that we can have in relationships. You don't have to raise your hand, but I've done this, and I know you probably have. Have you ever said something and didn't think it outright? And it hurt, hurt the other person's feelings that they don't want to be your friend anymore. Have you ever done that? I have. I've said things that have offended somebody and it hurt their feelings that they didn't want to be my friend anymore. I didn't mean it to come out that way. But I just wasn't thinking it out. I was too quick to speak without just, you know, thinking it through so I can, so I can say it right. And now the friendship ends. And I regret those moments. But that's what the tongue does to you. The tongue can really mess you up. Do you know why people like, one of the reasons why people like to go to a bar, it's not the only reason, but one of the reasons is the bartender will usually listen to you. People want to be heard. 
and they like to sit there and have someone they can talk to. And the bartenders are going to be nice. You know, they kind of get paid to be nice and listen to you. And people have that desire to be heard. I read this advertisement that said, I don't know if the guy made any money, but he said he'll listen to anybody. For $20, I'll listen to anybody for 20 minutes. You know, a dollar a minute. I bet you people called him. I bet you people were willing to pay $20, a dollar a minute just to have somebody listen to me. It's because it satisfies a need that we have. We all want to feel like we're appreciated. And I think we all want attention. And we want to be able to talk to that person that we love and feel like they're into what we're saying. And when they're not, it hurts us. When you listen, it shows that you care. It also shows that you're taking that person seriously. There are times that my wife will share something with me that I have no interest in, but I'll try to listen to her because I love her. It's not the subject that catches my attention, but it's because I care about her. So it doesn't matter if the subject is boring to me or not. What matters to me is if I listen to her, if I give her attention, she's going to feel loved. And I know she does that to me. Because I talk about sometimes after a wrestling tournament, I'm really excited to share what happened. And I can guarantee you she just does not care. <laughs> but she's nice. And she listens. She's just humoring me, waiting until it's done so we can get to the real conversation. But it makes me feel important because I'm excited about it, so she listens. And, and it makes you feel loved. It makes you feel to pre, uh, appreciated. It makes you feel that I matter. And when she's with the kids, a lot of times she's with the kids all day, and, and I'm at work all day. And I come home, and she can't wait to have adult conversation. It's not that she hasn't been talking all day, but she's been talking to a baby and a four-year-old. And to finally have a, like an adult that I can have conversation with, it means a lot to her. And I'm usually tired because while she hasn't had adult conversation with my job, I've been having hour after hour of adult conversation, and I've already run out of my words. They say the average man speaks 9,000 words a day. The average woman speaks 15,000 words a day. That means I've already spent my 9,000 words. I come home, and she's got 6,000 more. And I'm already done. So it can create conflict. So I've learned. I'm going to listen to her. I'm going to listen to her and, and let her talk about what's going on and talk about what happened to the kids and, and listen. And I'm going to be interested, not because I'm necessarily interested about what happened with the kids. It's because I'm interested in her. I care about her. I want her to know that I take her seriously that I love her. And it has everything to do with the success of our marriage. You know, uh, that type of, when you feel loved in that way, it, it makes your marriage great. Listening in your notes. Listening is loving. Listening is loving. You can write that out. If you love someone, you're going to listen to them. Paul Turnier said, it's impossible to overemphasize the immense need of human beings to really be listened to he recognizes that as a sociologist that you, you, you need to be listened to. People need to, to, to be heard. If you want to improve your relationship with your marriage or with someone you're dating or with your kids or with your boss or with friends, just learn how to listen and people will like you. I know some people that do uh, Uber and they say a lot of people have a lot to talk about and they just drive and they just listen. And the people like them a whole lot. Like, oh, this was, 
you know, this was one of the best rides I've ever had. And they didn't say anything. They just listened. But they want, people want to be heard, and they felt like, wow, this is somebody that really cares about me. They probably don't know anything about the driver's life, but just the fact that he listened to them drew them close to the driver. What hinders our hearing? One of the things, one of the things that you can write this in is presumption. In Proverbs 18, 13, it says, He who answers before listening, that is his folly and shame. The Living Bible says it's stupid to decide before knowing the facts. We get into trouble when we assume what they're saying when we haven't heard them out yet. Have you ever gotten in an argument with your spouse over making an assumption by what they said, and then it ends up turning into a fight? And then later on, when it gets explained out, you say, oh, that's what you meant. I'm so sorry. I thought you meant this. But we start assuming something, and then it turns into a fight. And the other person is wondering, where did, the fight, where did this fight come from? I was just sharing this. We forget that people really do have, they really mean the best. People aren't purposely trying to say things to hurt you. I mean, especially your spouse or, you know, your children or your parents. But what happens is a lot of times we have good-willed people that are just sharing, but in our minds we see it going in a direction that we're assuming, and that's not where they're coming from. They didn't mean that at all. And then we start getting upset and our emotions get involved, and then later on we find out, oh, that's not what they meant. I'm so sorry. That's destructive in relationships. There's four assumptions that we make. Number one, there's only one way to see things. Because we assume, without thinking about it, that what I'm going to say and how I'm going to see it is so normal that we don't expect someone to disagree with us. And when they do, we're shocked. Like, where did that come from? Because there's, there's many ways to see things. All you had to do is go through the political uh, elections and you find out that there's a lot of different ways to see things because each candidate is uh, seeing things in a totally different way. Even the ones in the same party, they have differences of what they think, what they believe would be best. So obviously people aren't going to see it the way you see it. But somehow we think, well, my husband and wife, we're going to be on the same page. No. You're not going to be the same on the same page. Not on everything. There's going to be some things that the other person sees differently. And that's okay. That's healthy. Whenever I find two people that agree on, on everything, one of them's lying. One of them's just going for the ride to keep peace. It's not healthy. I don't want to eat a steak with two knives. I don't want to eat a steak with two forks. I want a knife and a fork. It's the differences working together that make that steak enjoyable. But I'm not going to enjoy it just with two knives. It's just not going to be the same. It's going to be awkward. The differences work together, and that's good, and that's okay. The second thing is everybody thinks like I do. There's entire books out that talk about how people think differently. So you think your spouse or your children are going to think the way you think? No, they're not. There's different personality types. It all shapes the way of how they process things, how they think things through. Some people, their thinking is more 
based on some emotional feelings they have. Some people, their thinking is more based on rationale. And the person that does their thinking based more on rationale, they expect the other person to be the same way. The person that thinks more from feelings expects the other person to be same, the same way. It's, it, and usually marriage, if you're more on the rationale side, your spouse is the emotional one. It just seems to be that way. We attract opposites, which is good, but it can cause conflict in conversation. Number th- uh, the third one there is people never change. You know, we have this assumption. People never change. People change all the time. A church is all about life change. It's about uh, people coming to the Lord and it's turning their life around. People won't change their personality. You know what I mean? Like, for example, if you're by nature a happy-go-lucky person, when you become a Christian, you're a Christian that's happy-go-lucky. You know what I mean? You still have that same thing, but you change. You change in habits. You change in morals. You change in a lot of ways. People are constantly changing in life. I don't act. I have the same personality that I had when I was 20. But I don't, I don't act the same way I did when I was 20. Because I've grown. I've learned differently. I've had different life experiences. And it changes the way you act. And some things I would have done at the age of 20, I would never do now. Some of the things I do now, I would never have done at the age of 20. Another th- assumption that we make is I can figure out your motives. Like, we know what they're thinking, and we can't. You know, I can't figure out my own motives half the time. How am I going to figure out your motives if I can't figure out my own motives? So, with life, don't start thinking that you know what they're thinking, because you don't. God knows. Only God knows. We play this game called mind reading, where we think, well, I know what you meant by that. No, you don't. You can make an assumption, but you don't know. The only person that really knows what that person meant was that person and God. And sometimes the person that said it doesn't even know what they meant. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Someone says, what do you mean by that? And you think, uh, I, I don't know. I didn't even think it out that much. Some people, they talk what's on the top of their mind. It's not thought out. Some people, they think out before they speak. So some people, when they're speaking, they don't even know why they said it. Number two in your notes, impatience. Impatience. You don't listen when you're being impatient. The average mind can listen to 650 words a minute. That's how fast your mind goes. The problem is people only speak 150 words a minute. That means while I'm speaking up here, It's easy for you to be thinking about your golf game at the same time because I'm going 150 words, maybe less than that, 150 words a minute, and your mind can go 650 words. So you've got 500 uh, extra words that you can be thinking of in your mind while I'm speaking every minute. It's so easy to see why we can be distracted just by our own thoughts. Can you remember being in school and the teacher's talking and you're listening, you're paying attention? And then you see something out the window and your mind goes there. And it seems like no time has gone by at all. And then you look back and, and you're lost. You're lost by what the teacher said. And you don't know, like, oh, where? I'm lost. What is he talking about? What is she saying? It's because our mind goes so much faster 
than the ability of the person to speak. And we get impatient. So we start thinking about other things. How do you know when you're being impatient? One thing is you interrupt. What I mean by that is, or one of the ways that we interrupt, is we finish their sentences. I do this a lot of times. We'll finish people's sentences because we're speeding them along, you know, helping them say it faster. So I finish the sentence for them. And we're not trying to be rude, but it is, it does mean that we're not listening. And when you do that, sometimes when you go to finish somebody's sentence, they say, no, no, no. And they go, and you were wrong to begin with. So it's a form of not listening. Be patient. Let them say it. Don't try to push them along. Don't try to rush them. Another thing that we do is we jump to conclusions. That will get you in trouble. Look at Proverbs 29, 20. Do you see a man who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Have you seen those people on quiz shows where the person is reading the question and they jump the gun to answer it before the guy finishes the question trying to get an answer right? And then it's the wrong answer. And then when he finishes the whole sentence, it was really something really easy and somebody else gets the points. Because what happens is we're, we're speaking in haste. We're speaking before we're hearing it all. And that person jumped to a conclusion. He thought the quiz show was going in this direction, the, the question, and it wasn't. And he ends up maybe losing. Proverbs nineteen eleven, A man's wisdom gives him patience. God is saying, you're wise if you learn to be patient. You're foolish if you don't have patience. So how do I show wisdom to people around me? If, if, you know, not, that I, not that the goal of wisdom is to let me make, show you that I'm wise. But how do you show wisdom to people around you? Well, if you're patient with your kids, the Bible says that is showing wisdom. If you're patient with your spouse, the Bible says that's showing wisdom. If you're patient with your employees, the Bible says that's showing, showing wisdom. So we can show wisdom in a practical way just by being patient with the people around us. When you're listening, you're being wise. The third one is pride. Pride. Pride makes us defensive. Pride makes us unteachable. Pride prevents us from listening. Look at Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool seems right, but a wise man listens to advice. You can learn from anyone if you just ask the right questions. Do you know, sometimes we'd rather appear smart rather than be smart. I'm going to appear smart to act like I know what you mean. I'll appear smart, but I'm not. Or I could become smart and ask you a question and find out what you mean, and now I'm a smarter person. We see this in school where kids are afraid to ask a question in school because they don't want to look dumb in front of all their friends. So in order not to look dumb, they don't ask the question, they don't learn the answer, and they really are dumb because now they don't know it. So to save themselves from looking dumb, they become dumb. While the person that's willing to ask questions, it might be a it's, it's shown at that point that they don't know the answer, but they're going to find out the answer. They're going to end up getting smart because now they know. The only dumb question is the question that you don't ask. 
the question that you have, but you just don't ask. People say, well, I learn from experience. Well, that's great. You ought, to, you ought to learn from experience, but you don't have enough time to experience everything on your own. And if you only learn from experience, it's also guaranteed failure. It's better to learn from your experience, but to learn from other people's experience. Read that book from the person who's already done it. You know, talk to that person that's already been there in whatever avenue that you're pursuing, a business or whatever. Learn from their experience. Obviously, you want to learn from your experience. If you don't learn from your experience, that's really bad. But if you don't learn from other people's experience, you'll never make it. They're going to save you hours of time. They're going to save you lots of money because you're not going to make the same mistake. As you talk to them and you get their experience, you say, oh, wow, I didn't know that. So I'm not going to make that mistake. He lost $10,000 not knowing that. I know that now. And he just saved you $10,000. You've learned from his mistakes. Asking questions. Look at Proverbs 25. Though good advice lies deep within a counselor's heart, the wise man will draw it out. It's saying good advice lies deep within the counselor's heart. Deep within people's hearts, they've got knowledge and wisdom and understanding that you might not have in certain topics. Because we're all ignorant in something, right? We all know, I know something that you don't know. You know something that I don't know. Because nobody knows it all. But the key to wisdom is finding a way to draw it out of that person. And how do you do that? If you can learn the right way to ask questions, it's amazing what you can learn from other people. We'll sometimes go to conferences <clears throat> as a church, and I'll try to get with um, a key speaker that spoke. And I'll go up to them and talk to them and ask them questions and stuff. And I'm surprised that nobody else is going up to them. Because this person is an expert at something, and he gave a you know, one-hour, one-and-a-half-hour talk, and you would think everybody would just say, wow, this is my opportunity to spend time with this guy and ask him questions. I might not ever see him again. But in, but in fact, you find the opposite. People might want to ask him, but they're afraid. They're afraid to even, like, some people are afraid to even go up and shake his hand. They think, wow, you know. But I try to go to the person, and I try to ask them questions. It's amazing. You get more sometimes from the one or two questions that you ask that person face-to-face than you got from the hour and a half that they stood up there and spoke. Because you know what? You're drawing out the deeper things that they never said, that nobody else is going to hear, and you come out way ahead. There's something about learning to ask questions. But to do that, you can't be prideful. You can't be too embarrassed to go up and ask them. You have to be teachable. You have to be willing to humble yourself and ask them. In Proverbs 15, 31, it says, if you pay attention when you are corrected, you are wise. Learn from the advice of others. What's hard is to learn from the advice of others that you didn't ask for. You know how some people try to give you advice and you're not asking for advice. But it's still the same thing. If you pay attention when you are corrected, you're wise. You have to be open to criticism, even if it was criticism that you didn't ask for. Because what if what they're saying is true? What if what they say to you would help you? There's three hearing blocks that we have. Presumption, impatient, impatience, pride. These things would prevent you from hearing. 
They're killers in relationships. They're killers in your personal growth. Parents say, my kids are going off the deep end. Before they got to that point, they were probably communicating things. Sometimes communication isn't verbal. A lot of communication is facial expressions, other things. But kids don't just go off the deep end. There's communication that's happening way before then. But it's, if I don't listen to them, not just with my ears, but you listen with your eyes, your heart, you see what's going on. If you're not listening to them and they go off the deep end, it's not that they haven't been communicating. It's I haven't learned how to listen to my kids. They're always communicating by the things they say, by the things they do. Am I listening? Am I listening? Or am I just assuming everything's okay? That's why the Bible says be quick to listen, slow to speak. You're focusing on the listening part. Am I listening to my kids? How do you make a difference between good criticism and bad criticism? Well, what I want to do, but what I want to do is I want to see if the critic is valid. And that's not the way to go. I've got to focus on whether or not the criticism's valid. Because what I want to do is, well, they said this, well, yeah, but look at who said it. When you think of who it came from, why would you listen to them? But that's what you don't want to do. Because you'd be amazed at some of the people that would say something to you that if you will listen to it and see if it's really correct, a lot of times it's right. Because... A lot of times, that person that you don't respect, sometimes they're the ones that will tell you what they really feel. And sometimes your friends who love you will ease it up a bit and lessen the blow because they love you. So then you walk away thinking, oh, it must not be that bad. And you don't have that need. You don't feel like you need to change. They're not trying to deceive you. Your friends are lessen the blow because they love you. Sometimes that person that you wouldn't respect their opinion, they don't lessen the blow they don't care how you feel about it. And that's usually the person that you might want to listen to. They're more apt to tell you what it's really like, even though the, the person that everything in you wants to discard what they would say because of who they are. So focus on the criticism, not the critic. Because a critic might be your best friend, but the criticism might be wrong. The critic might be your enemy, but the criticism's right. So focus on the criticism. That's what matters. Is what this person's saying to me correct? Not everything that they say is correct. But I'll tell you this in marriage. What I've learned is in marriage, people are with each other 24-7. Well, I mean, you go to work and stuff, but you're with each other all the time. Here's what I've learned about marriage. If your spouse says something to you, it's probably 100% correct. If your spouse says something like, you're not a good listener, it's probably 100% correct. If your spouse says something like, you get angry too easily, it's probably 100% correct. If your spouse says something like, um, you know, things like that. Now, if your spouse says something like, um, I think we could save more money with this loan over that loan, I'm not talking about stuff like that. I'm not saying that everybody's 100% correct on those type of things. But those relational things. Because your spouse will tell you because they finally get so irritated or hurt by it that they speak up. But your friends don't have to go home with you and live with you so they won't say anything. Because you know, they know that they can leave you. 
They can go back home and then uh, not have to deal with it till the next day. So listen to your spouse. If your spouse says, you're too sensitive, you're probably too sensitive. If your spouse says, you know, I talk to you and it seems like your mind's in a thousand places, it's probably because your mind's in a thousand places. They're seeing it. So listen to your spouse. They're the best critic you have. They're like looking in a mirror. If I'm looking in a mirror, and if I had a big piece of, if I had a smudge smeared on my face, and I walk in the mirror, and I see it, I'm going to think, oh, no, I want to wipe that off. And if I have a smudge on my face, and I'm walking down the street, and you walked up to me and said, Jimmy, Jimmy, you've got smudge in your face. I don't say this. Why can't you accept me the way I am? You're always criticizing me. It doesn't matter where I walk, you find something wrong. You know, that's what we want to say to our spouse. Instead of saying thank you and wiping the smudge off your face. If there's smudge on my face, I'd, I'd be grateful. We have smudge on our character sometimes on how we react to people. And we need to tell our spouse, thank you for letting me know. And then we need to wash that smudge off of our face. They're saying what everybody else wants to tell us. But nobody else is going to tell us like your spouse will. So critics are doing you a favor. Here's what happens in marriage. Is even though your spouse is doing you a favor, it's easy to be turned off sometimes by how they say it. I say sometimes the critic is the lawyer. You can fill that in. Sometimes the person wants to build a case against you, call in all the witnesses, submit all the evidence, cross-examine you and argue with you to prove that you're wrong. Okay, criticism's good. But if you're the critic in the marriage, don't be the lawyer. Don't be the lawyer. Just speak the truth in a loving way. The second one is the theologian. Some of you say, yeah, I married the theologian. What does the theologian does do? They take the Bible to prove to you how wrong you are. I'm going to beat you to death with this Bible. And God says this and God says that. Pow, 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 pow. No one wants to be married to that. So is the Bible true? Yeah, but don't use the Bible to beat somebody over their head. That's not the way to do it. That's going to... So when you give criticism, speak the truth in love. Don't be the theologian. Don't use the Bible to whack them around. The other thing is, sometimes you're married to the historian. What's a historian one? They study history, and they can remember everything you've done wrong for the last 20 years. They've got a historical record of everything. They're a great historian. They can tell you everything about it. They know the details. When you're correcting somebody, don't be the historian. Nobody wants to be married to that. Nobody wants to hear a history of, and you did this and you did that. No. You deal with those things back at that time, and then you put it behind you. The other thing is you have the psychologist. Some of you are married to the psychologist. They love to analyze you, and I know why you were doing this, and you were doing this because of this and this, and it's condescending. When you start telling me you know why I did this, you don't know anything about why I did that. It's very condescending when you try to be the psychologist in the marriage. Don't do that with anybody. Don't, don't, don't take that approach. What you do as a critic is in a loving way you speak the truth. And you know what? When you speak the truth in a loving way, that hurts already. That hurts. Because why we want our spouse to to think that we're perfect, you know. We know that we're not, but we want them to. So it hurts if Tanya tells me in a loving way what I'm doing that's not good. It hurts. 
Because I want Tanya to think I'm great. But if she's being a theologian, if she's being the psychologist to me, if she's being the lawyer to me in these things, it makes it more like a fight. It makes it more like you can start like feeling bitter toward that person for sharing you good advice. So it's hard to hear it anyway. So when you share it, just speak the truth in a loving way if you have to be the critic. There's three hearing aids that will improve your hearing. I want to be a good listener. How? Number one, listen with your eyes. 80% of conversation is nonverbal. It's facial expressions, body language. In Mark 10, 21, it said Jesus looked at him and loved him. If you love people, you look at them. You give them your undivided attention. It means that I value you. You're significant. You've got kids at home. They're talking to you. Try to give them attention. You're not really listening when you're washing the dishes while they're talking to you. Or you're not really listening, you know, when you're reading the newspaper while they're talking to you. Okay? If you need to wash the dishes, then politely say, hey, give me five minutes and finish washing the dishes or whatever you have to do. But your kids need you to look at them. They want to feel like they can talk to mom. They want to feel like they can talk to dad and that mom and dad are paying attention because they matter. Likewise, your spouse wants to feel that way. When you have to talk to each other, turn the TV off. Turn the TV off. Or say, can we talk after the game? But don't try to do it at the same time because now your, your attention is divided and you don't get real conversation going. Some married couples haven't had an intimate talk for so long that now they would feel embarrassed to even have an intimate talk. That should never happen in marriage. You want to break down those walls. You want to start dating your spouse again and spending time together so that you can talk about what's really on your heart because your, your mate needs your attention and you need their attention. I found too many times in marriages, if they're not getting positive attention, they'll get your attention through a negative form. With kids, if they're not getting positive attention, believe me, they'll find a negative way to get attention. Jesus looked at him and loved him. There's something about looking at them that makes them feel loved. Also, listen with your heart. Sometimes your heart is seeing things that are happening in spite of what the person is uh, saying. A good example of this is in uh, John chapter 4. There's a woman at the well, and she comes out to the well, and it's in the midday, in the heat of the day. Culturally, that would never happen. In their culture, all the women come out in the morning to get water and stuff before it gets hot. They all get out there, and they hang out together, and they're having um, fun together. But the average in those uh, cultures, if a woman was a prostitute, for example, she would not go out with the women in the morning because all the women hated her because she's maybe sleeping with some of their husbands and stuff. So they'd actually pick up stones and try to stone her. So she would stay away from all the other women. Okay? It says in the story that she was coming in the heat of the day, in the midday, when a woman wouldn't do that. Why would she do that? Because now it was safe for her to go get water because all the other women did and they left. So though they're talking, he already sees things. He's seeing something with his heart. What is he looking for? He's looking for the hurt. Everybody has a hurt. There's a hurt going on with this woman because why else would she be out here during this time? It wouldn't make sense. When she talks to him, she tries to avoid the hurt. So she talks to him about doctrine. Like, which mountain should we worship on? 
you Jews say that we should worship there, but we say that it should be here. She's talking about doctrinal things. Because why? That sounds like it's important, but it's not. And then he just ignores her. He doesn't even answer a question. He just kind of ignores her and says, you know, the problem is you're hurt. You've had a lot of bad relationships. And she's thinking, you've been married five times and all of them have been it. And now you're living with the guy that you're not married to. You're hurt. And what he does is he reaches out and discovers what a hurt is and brings healing into her life, ends up drawing her to him in faith. She ends up becoming a voice for him in the whole town of, I met a man that knew everything about my life. I met the Messiah. And she ends up becoming a follower of him, a follower of him, and a witness for what he can do in your life. But how did he get there? He reached her hurt. What he didn't do is, you dirty sinner, let me kick you while you're down. What he did is he loved her. In spite of what society was treating her like, he loved her. He showed her respect. He reached out to her. He cared when nobody else cared. And she ended up becoming a follower of Christ. Like I said, she went out. And when she talked in the town about him, it says the whole town came out to meet Jesus. They were so stunned by what this woman was saying, which means those same women that didn't want anything to do with her came out to see this guy that affected this woman's life. Man, if he can change her, whoa, there's something about this guy. So they came out. So look, not just listen, not just with your ears, but listen with your heart. Like, what hurt is going on here? Because people have hurts. Now, why... Would I spend an entire Sunday morning on listening? Well, do you know the number one cause of an affair? It's not attraction. Most affairs happen because of uh, listening ears. You, you become close to somebody. You're listening to them. It's more emotional. And you say, if you want to reach a man's heart, listen to him. They say, how do you reach a man's heart? It's through his stomach, you know? That's what they say. It's not true. But you, you listen. Like a man might be at work. And he has a secretary that pays attention to him and listens to him and laughs at his jokes. And he's, and he's already halfway in love with her. Because, man, I feel so good when I'm with her. Then he goes home, and he has a wife that won't listen to him, that's always bitter, that's always angry, that's always nitpicking everything he does. And she starts looking prettier and prettier every day. You understand what I'm saying? And more and more attractive. Now, it's not an excuse for an affair to happen, what I'm saying is that is how most affairs happen. I'm not saying, oh, it's justified. What I'm trying to say is that's how it happens. It's things like that. And I want to have the type of home where my wife wants to be there. I want to have the type of home that my wife loves being there because I listen to her. She feels like happy there. I want to have the type of home that I want to be there. I don't want to have that type of home that I'd rather be at the office than be at home because being at home is such a drag. I want, I want to like being at work, too, you know. But I want to love being at home. That's my favorite place to be because I'm with my wife and family, and I love it there. I'm not beat up emotionally there. So listen with your heart. Look behind the anger when you see people that are angry. Look behind the anger and find out what's really going on. Angry people are usually hurt people. They've been hurt by something, or maybe they're afraid. And you have that ability to look beyond what you're seeing at the surface level and see what's really going on back there. Are they hurt? 
Are they angry? Now, what I want to do when people are angry at me is I want to get defensive and get angry back. Everything in me, that's my natural response. I have to train myself to, when they're angry at me, to hold back and find out, okay, what's going on here? What, 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 why are they so hurt? Or what are they afraid of? And then I have a better chance at dealing with the real issue rather than just the reaction that I'm seeing. Also, make time to listen. Schedule it. Calendar it. The average couple spends 26 minutes a week in serious conversation, which means they're not talking. You can have two people in the same home and still have separate lives. So when I say calendar it in marriage, I'm saying date your wife. Date your wife. Meaning, do things. I'm not saying go to the movie because when you go to the movie, you don't talk to each other. But what I'm trying to say is have regular times with your spouse where you're talking like uh, we go to the park or we walk on the beach or something, but where there's conversation. There's, there's a lot of things that you can do. You can go to the ball game. Everybody's watching there and there's no conversation. And that's fun to do. But what I'm saying is make sure that you have weekly time that you're in each other's lives. We actually focused on one another. We're actually talking about what's going on in one another's lives. So you stay emotionally close. You can be physically close to one another all the time and never have that emotional closeness that you need for a happy marriage. Also practice these things with your kids. You know, schedule time to be with them and listen. Don't be so busy that you never listen to your kids. It's too easy, and I know as a parent, it's too easy to get so busy that you never hear what's going on in your kid's life. And sometimes you have to schedule time. Like I make sure I have certain times in the morning where it's just me with the two little ones. You know, uh, my, my older sons, uh, we're in a great situation now because we drive together a lot. And it gives us time to talk and touch base and everything. But if you don't have that, you've got to calendar it in. Or it, it, it doesn't just happen automatically is what I'm saying. And then last in your notes, it's how well do you listen to God? Because that's the most important question. In Matthew 17, 5, it says, this is my son, listen to him. More than anything, listen to God. Make that a priority, number one. But how do you listen to God? In John 5, 24, it says, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. How do I hear his words? Through scripture. So what I'm saying is, if you say God never talks to me, my answer is, do you read the Bible? Every time you lift up the Bible and read it, God is talking to you. So make it a habit to read your Bible. Every day, make it a habit to spend some time praying, read your Bible, and just be quiet and listen and just think, like, what is God trying to tell me here? And you'll be amazed at how God will speak in your life. In Luke 8, 18, it says, Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Why? Because 95% of what is said is forgotten in 72 hours. That's why I, I give you notes, because if you can fill in the blanks and stuff, it helps reinforce it, so that way you'll remember things that I said that you might not have remembered otherwise. So be careful how you listen. Take notes. If you're in school, don't just listen to the professor talk. Take notes. Hebrews 3, 7. As the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. That says, don't tune Christ out. How can I harden my heart? Well, with us, I don't think it's going to be an issue of hardened hearts here. I think most of us have a sense of heart to God. That's why we're here. But the way that we can tune Christ out is we get too busy. I can be so busy watching television, listening to the radio, the sports report, reading the newspaper. I can just be so busy doing so many things 
that I just never get around to tuning into Christ because I just run out of time. So it's, it's like you have to make it a priority. But if you're willing to make it a priority to listen to God, it will change your life. And when I'm listening to God on a daily basis, it's going to affect how I treat my wife. It's going to affect how I treat my kids. Because that influence of God's word coming into my life is going to make a world of difference. It's the most important thing that I can do. So with that, I want to lead us in a prayer. I want to ask us all, as best as we can, to make a commitment to being the best listeners that we can. And watch how it affects our relationships. Let's pray. Father, we desire to be good listeners. We understand how it's going to affect our marriages, our friendships, our family life. Lord, help us to listen with our ears, with our eyes, and our heart so that we can see what's really going on, so that we can learn how to be more sensitive and how we connect with others. And Lord, we want to have blessed lives, so we're relying on you to help us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.